In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps a $5 minimum balance required. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? This is the Punt and Pass Podcast. Touchdown, baby! Now, here are your hosts, two-time All-American punter Drew Butler. Mark Rick would like Drew Butler to hit it a mile in the air. And he did. What a catch. And the SEC's career leader in touchdown passes and completions, Aaron Murray. Touchdown! In stride as he crosses the goal line. Put it right on his hip. What a throw. Now, with the latest from around the SEC and the world of college football, it's the Punt and Pass Podcast. Get to the house! Sideline! Pylon! Touchdown! And the dogs are on the board first. Victory is mine. Yeah, surprisingly, I've been lame. Welcome in to the Punt and Pass Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler, joined alongside by my co-host, Aaron Murray. And Aaron, week 11 is in the books. It was a decimated slate of college football as about 15 games were canceled or postponed because of the COVID-19 pandemic. But thankfully, a lot of games were played, and we've got plenty to talk about on this episode of the Punt and Pass podcast, so be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at Punt and Pass. I am at Drew Butler. Aaron is at AaronMurray11, and head on over to PuntandPass.com. It's got our YouTube page. Everywhere the podcast is distributed, our blog, our picks, which did not do well this past weekend. We'll go to that later on the show. Um, but it's the best place for everything that you need to stay up to date in college football. All right, so college football, uh, well, it was it was okay on Saturday. It was all right. There were a couple of good games. It was stretched out. The Masters was on, too, though, so I think maybe the golf gods, um, in a good way, everybody seems to be healthy from some of the outbreaks that happened on campuses. But everybody got to enjoy a lot of golf, and then there was some college football sprinkled in. Last night, however... News broke out of the SEC, and we'll just dive right into that, that Will Muschamp, the head coach of South Carolina Gamecocks football, has been fired. Our buddy and former guest on Punt and Pass, Coach Mike Bobo, is stepping in as the interim head coach. Aaron, really peculiar timing. Uh, Coach Muschamp is getting, I think, north of $15 million in his buyout. Look, I'm excited for Coach Bobo to get a shot of being an interim head coach in the SEC. I don't know if he'll have a legitimate shot to get the job. I think that would be great if he does well. But now all eyes turn to South Carolina. Who are they going to hire as their next football coach? Do you give them credit for making the decision this early, I guess, in order to get in front of some of the hotter names that will be in the coaching carousel? Yes and no. Listen, I, we've been saying it all year. I think most people kind of have the same feeling that in, in, in 2020 in quarantine time, most of these coaches, because of the uniqueness of everything that went on to the season, would kind of get a free pass. Yeah, you know, just, yeah. Okay, we understand all SEC schedule, you know, spring ball. Um, all this stuff that, hey, you, we'll, we'll figure if you, if, like I said, free pass 2020, 2021, if this crap continues to happen, then we'll pull the, you know, pull the plug and, and, and try to find someone new. So, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of shocked when this news came out. Obviously, two and five is not great. Um, and, and he's a defensive coach. And, and you look yeah. at their past three games, 
52 points to LSU, 48 points to A&M, and then 59 points to Ole Miss this past weekend. So, you know, you hired Bobo to come in there and fix the offense, which I think Bobo has done a good job this season offensively. I think they, they, you know, they're not, they're not Alabama, they're not Florida, they're not Ole Miss, but it's a good offense. They've made a lot of progress from a year ago. Yeah, they've definitely made progress where the defense has gone backwards, um, and the defense has gotten worse and worse and worse and worse throughout the season. I mean, they're big ball games. I mean, even throwing you know 38 points against Florida. So, you know, the defense has gotten worse while the offense has gotten better. So, you know, I, I you understand it from that perspective that you know we hired you in here to at least give us a good defense, and you can't even get that done right now. So let's let's move on and see what we can do. And 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 you said it, man, for Coach Bobo. He has an opportunity right now. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, but he's coaching for, you know, his his job is not only the head coach, but to stay on staff yeah. as well. You yeah. know, who knows what the next head coach is going to want to do, if he's going to want to bring in a completely new set of guys to, to reorganize that football team. But, yeah, they got Missouri at home, Georgia at home, and then at Kentucky to finish the season off. I mean, if, if they go somehow two and one, you know, that's going to be an interesting discussion with Bobo at the end of the year to see if they want to keep him. I hope they do. Yeah, of course. How much I love Coach Bobo. I think he's a tremendous coach, and, you know, he just need to bring in a great defensive mind. But what he's done with the offense at least has shown South Carolina and the South Carolina fan base that, hey, I can at least get us to score points. Yes. Now I just got to hire someone that can come in there and, and maybe play a little bit of defense as well. Absolutely. And, and when you went back and you opened it up by saying a lot of people figured that in 2020 and amid these crazy times, coaches really across the country would get that quote-unquote free pass. That's from a budgeting standpoint, just to make that clear. Obviously, college athletics and athletic departments across the country have been absolutely decimated from a revenue standpoint, from getting people in the gate, inside the stadiums, in all sports, not just football. Clearly, football is taking a huge hit. So when you went into the season, you read a lot of articles about how schools wouldn't really be able to afford to pay these massive buyouts. They wouldn't really be able to put on the books getting a consulting firm, a search firm to go out and hire a new head coach and sign him to a tens of millions of dollar contract to take over their football team. So I agree with you. I was really surprised by the timing. Um, But when you look at what they've done, and I think it's pretty interesting as well that those teams who have scored the most points against South Carolina are SEC West teams. Usually you only play two throughout the season. Those are three clearly in this 10-game conference-only schedule that have hung big-time numbers on South Carolina. And then when those things happen, they just don't look competitive. It looks like the team is kind of getting away from the coach. And uh, and it's certainly... An interesting situation. Coach Bill Muschamp got fired last night, late Sunday night, and now Coach Mike Bobo is the interim head coach. Aaron, I know you probably get this question so many times. I even get it sometimes as well. Hey, why don't you coach football? Hey, you'd be a great coach. You should coach college football. And this is the exact reason why one of them, one of probably many, where a guy like you, Aaron, or myself doesn't coach. Look, we love Coach Bobo. He both had a, a tremendous impact on both of our lives. You far more than me, of course, as you worked with him literally every single day in college. But he was at Colorado State for four years, just moved his beautiful family from a beautiful state, which is Colorado, to and maybe not so beautiful city, which is Columbia, South Carolina. And now, eight months later, he's coaching for his life, trying to make sure he doesn't have to move his family again. It's just really insane. College coaching, I think, is truly one of the hardest jobs you are on the road so many days a year. You have to pander to 18, 17, 16-year-old kids who literally hold your future in your hands 
and the hours, the the grind, the time that you have to put in, it's unbelievable. I've got nothing but huge respect for coaches. It's just not for me. It's just, I don't know if it's for you either. Look, those dollar signs are pretty nice, and I understand that Will Muschamp just got let go, and he's also being sent out the door with 15 plus million dollars but it is a tough tough grind and your family has to be all on board so best of luck to coach Bobo big time best of luck we hope maybe maybe three and oh who knows what's going to happen against Georgia does Georgia even have a quarterback we don't know but he's got two winnable games on there with Kentucky and Missouri I believe is what you said so where do they go from here Aaron who is the next hire I feel like South Carolina made this decision early in November to get in front of some of the potential candidates that everybody else is going to get in front of if they do make the decision to fire their coach. Of course, Hugh Freeze's name is out there. I like a guy like Billy Napier. I also yeah, I like a guy Napier, like... I think it's going to kind of be one of the, at the front of this whole thing. It seems like it. I even like a guy like um, Tony Elliott, who's the assistant offensive coordinator at Clemson. Look, you need to get outside the box. Of course, everybody's going to zero in on Hugh Freeze, but I'm reading that Greg Sankey might not even okay that to let Hugh Freeze back in the SEC. Do you have any insight here? I know Napier seems like a good fit with his South Carolina ties. This is a good job. I just don't know if Hugh Freeze, you know, you you say, obviously, you know, his his past in the SEC, if he's even going to be allowed to get in there. Um, But I just don't know if he wants to leave right now. I mean, he just got that re-up. He's getting $3 million a year to coach at Liberty. I mean, that's a pretty comfy gig. Uh, I know these guys are, I said last week, I mean, they're very competitive. These coaches, they want to play for championships. They want to play for conference championships and national championships. But, um, you know, I'd maybe ride that wave out just a little bit longer, you know, continue to have success at Liberty, continue to cut that check, feel pretty good about life. And then maybe jump in at a later date and um, maybe a better destination than, than South Carolina. So uh, I think Billy Napier, what he's been able to do um, with the raging Cajuns, I think he's definitely going to be, Kind of if you want that head coach guy to be your your next head coach instead of trying to go the offensive defensive coordinator route where you're not sure if those guys are ready to take that leap to the head coaching position, you know, he's probably the number one guy out there in the country right now. But, you know, there's going to be some other spots that might open. I mean, I, I said it that, listen, this is kind of a free pass for most coaches this year. Obviously, South Carolina didn't think that. Um, and I'm sure we're going to dive into Michigan, but I just don't see Harbaugh being the head coach of Michigan next season. So that's a big, sexy job right there at Michigan that a lot of coaches that want to take that next step in their career are going to have their eyes on as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think I saw something where it's either South Carolina's university president or their athletic director has a history at one of the service academies and he's won awards with like personal responsibility and integrity and character. So it doesn't really seem like Hugh Freeze would be a great fit. Yeah. Um, from a leadership position when you're talking about being in lockstep with a guy like that at South Carolina. Um, I think Napier, and that's the first name you're seeing on all these lists, but don't sleep on Coach Bobo. I'm just saying that right now when it comes to recruiting, when it comes to putting the points on the board, when it comes to having your players play for you, it should be really interesting to see what Coach Bobo is able to do at South Carolina. So, look, what's going to happen across the SEC? Are there going to be more coaches that are let go? You would think so, but um, again, very interesting timing to have this done midway through the season during a pandemic, during this crazy, unprecedented 2020 season, so we'll keep it locked in on that story as it continues to develop. All right, let's talk about Michigan. Let's talk about what 
happened to Michigan this weekend. I tweeted it out. I said, I've learned a couple of things in the Big Ten. One, stop fading Indiana. I'm done. Either don't bet on them or just say they're good and and go with them. And two, stop believing in Michigan. I I keep saying this is their their backs are against the wall. They need a win. I mean, they came out completely flat at home against Wisconsin, who hadn't played football in two and a half weeks. Aaron, it was an embarrassment. Jim Harbaugh, these guys aren't playing hard. Uh, they look terrible after their week one win against Minnesota. There was a lot of hope for the Michigan Wolverines. Joe Milton seemed to be the right guy to lead this offense. I mean, Wisconsin shoved it down their throat and didn't stop. They they got absolutely killed. And now it's looking like what's going to happen with Coach Harbaugh? Where does Michigan football go from here? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty bad when, a, when another team goes into your house and runs for 341 yards. 341 yards. I mean, that's right insane. Your throat uh, and just dominate the line of scrimmage. I mean, they're having 6.7 yards per carry. 49 I mean, to a Wisconsin 11. team that hasn't played in weeks, weeks for goodness sakes. And Graham Mertz, who you know had that sexy game that Friday night game, had five or six touchdowns, whatever it was, and you know he came out there played efficient, had a couple touchdowns, but you know he's a guy that didn't even get to really practice much in anticipation for this game. So you're at home. There's some pride factor that goes along with it. You've at least played some games as of late. Wisconsin's kind of been just sitting on their hands, not being able to practice, not being able to to meet in person, all this stuff that they've had to deal with because of COVID. And they come up and put 49 points on you, uh, uh, get a couple turnovers on their defense side of the football, uh, and just embarrass you at home. So I, I just think it's 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 it really is it's time to pull the plug on this Michigan team with 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 Coach Hardball. Uh, you just look at the stats of what he does versus ranked opponents in the top 10, what he does versus ranked opponents in general, and it's ugly. It just really is. I mean, he was signed there to win the win big games. He was signed there to win against the rivals. And obviously, he just we, we said a few weeks ago, he doesn't beat his rival teams. He doesn't beat uh, teams in the state, Michigan State. He doesn't beat Ohio State, whether that's home or away. So uh, I think the experiment has, has reached its finale, um, yeah. and it was a fail. And I just think – I think – I would be surprised if he makes it to the end of the season at this point. I mean, you said it best, Drew. These guys aren't playing for him. They don't believe in him. They're, if you can't get energized to play at home versus Wisconsin, you're not going to get energized the rest of the season. No, 100%. You, you just aren't. If you can't get your message through to these guys this past weekend, you're not going to get through to them the rest of the way. And it's just going to get uglier and uglier and uglier. Rutgers is not a bad football team this year. they got to go on the road there. Penn State sucks, so maybe they win that one. Maryland, Who knows? you got to finish yeah. off with Ohio State. And, yeah. you know, that may just be the cherry on top where they just get absolutely annihilated by Ohio State. And yep. then Jim Harbaugh's uh, shown the exit door afterwards. Did you see the video that kind of went semi-viral about Ur- uh, Urban Meyer on Fox Big Noon Kickoff? Did yeah, you see this? Yeah, about coaches. Yes. And, what, yeah. what did you think about that? And let me give a little bit of background. Urban Meyer, and look— uh, Regardless of the messenger, the message that he said, I thought was was pretty well delivered. And essentially, it was this: there are no such thing as bad coaches. There are no such thing as bad players because those are baked in excuses. He talked about the NFL level, saying anybody who's in the NFL is a good football player. If you are coaching in the NFL, you earned it. You're a good coach. And then he went into the teams like Penn State in Michigan, and I'm trying to think of another one that really has had a tough season to start. He said, these are not bad teams. These are not bad coaches. He said, something is wrong. 
and what is it? His top three things, Aaron, were one, trust issues, two, dysfunctional environments, and three, what does that say? Selfishness. Okay, now, again, say what you want about Urban Meyer's history, the problems that he had at Florida, what some of his former players did. Do you agree with that? Because it seems like, yes, there are massive trust issues at Michigan. The players don't trust each other. The players don't trust the coaches. The coaches don't trust the players. It is extremely dysfunctional. They have zero consistency. They don't even show up ready to play. They look disinterested, which is horrible, and I think that's everybody to blame. And then selfishness. I, I think that's the biggest one because guys are looking out for themselves. Coaches are trying to protect themselves, and it's from the top down, a complete disaster. What did you think about Urban Meyer's message? Do you agree with him that there are no such thing as bad coaches, bad players? Those are excuses. It's it's a big, big, big problem in college football, and it's easy to say when you have these historic programs like Michigan, like Penn State, that are playing very poorly. I mean, you even throw South Carolina in there at this point. Yeah, and and listen, every year is different. I mean, and, and you have to understand some years you just maybe are young at certain positions, especially positions that need to excel, and, and that's the reason why you're not playing as well. Um, there's a lot that goes into it, but I – I do think there are some bad coaches. I don't think there's a lot of bad coaches at these levels, but I've been Willie Taggart's a bad coach. I've just been around some bad coaches, so I don't <laughs> yeah. agree with that. There are some bad coaches, um, and there's some cancerous players. I mean, maybe yes. they're not bad, but there's cancers in certain locker rooms where guys kind of take control of the locker room. They like to open up their big mouths, and they like to create division. I think that's a big problem. We see at all levels, you know, from high school to college to the NFL. I think yeah. you know these players may be really talented and really good. And that's why they stick around, but they're also a pain in the ass and they can cause a lot of issues within that locker room, which then bleed over to the football field. So there are some, there's a lot of issues. So I, I, I did like his message. I, I, I agreed with most of it. Um, like I said, there's not like, there's a ton of bad coaches in the, in the level, but I've been around some guys where you're just like, I don't think you're, you're capable of coaching, um, you know, at a, at a D one school or yeah. you're not capable of coaching. It's a tough job. I even been around a couple NFL guys where I was like, golly, how does this guy have a gig? I mean, you just. And it was funny. I was talking with Arthur Lynch. We had lunch yesterday, and Arthur, former tight end for Georgia, um, in Atlanta. You know, Arthur's in Atlanta. Well, he was. He just was passing through. Okay. Okay. Um, but he wants to get into coaching, and you know, we were just talking about you know coaching, and if you know, same thing you and I were talking about earlier. Like, do we want to do this? Do we not want to do this? And um, and then obviously the 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 coaching topic came up of some coaches that we've been around and, and guys that. You know, especially in the NFL, once you're once you're a coach in the NFL, you're kind of on the carousel. You're, yeah, you're on the ride, and yeah. it's tough to get off the ride. Like you got to really screw up to not be a coach and just continue to jump around place to place to place to place to place to place. So there's a lot of guys who don't deserve it, but just because of their relationships, because it's of the biggest buddy name, system in America to stay alive. So that doesn't make them a good coach. At the end of the day, it just makes them. Maybe a good people person. Yeah. Oh, like I said, God, you're on yeah. the ride, and you're on the ride for a long damn time. And and for that exact reason, being on the ride for a long damn time, it is the greatest buddy system in America. It is a people business. It is not what you know. It's who you know. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Why do you think NFL coaches get rinsed and recycled time after time after time? Because it's a buddy system. All their friends are either GMs or other coaches. Same thing in college football. If you're competent, not if you're extraordinary. If you're competent, you will have a job, and they you pay remember, well. You remember Janzik? Yeah, I know Coach Janzik, yeah. Uh, 
So Bobo hired James Ick as his DC at Colorado State. Yes. And I was like, why the hell are you <laughs> hiring James Ick? But that was his boy. I mean, they, they had a relationship. Mm-hmm. And Bobo needed a you new trust DC. Him. He wanted someone that he was comfortable with that he knew. So he hired Janzik, and Janzik was, you know, <laughs> not the best decision. I'll say that right now. And that, that cost Bobo his job. It, yeah. it did. Yeah. Because, you know, all of a sudden they're putting up points at Colorado State, but they're also giving up a boatload of points on defense of the football and not winning games. And once again, it had nothing to do with what Bobo was doing because he's more of an offensive head coach. He's an offensive guy. He's calling the plays. But his defense couldn't do crap because he hired one of his buddies who yeah. – might not have been the best decision, but like I said, he's comfortable with him, and that's all it is. It's hey man, I heard you got a, uh, I heard you got an opening spot at DC. You know, I'm kind of just chilling right now. Ready to go. What do you think? Hire me back. We got a great relationship. Let's make it happen. Doesn't I totally agree out. with you, and I, I learned something last night that was really interesting to me, and I think it might be different depending on the state you're in and how your buyout is structured. But Will Muschamp just got shown the door; he's going to get north of fifteen million dollars for his buyout. Did you know? And I think this is for a lump sum buyout because, okay, other coaches like Butch Jones, for example. When he got released by Tennessee, he had a massive contract left. Now he's support staff at Alabama. He still gets paid about $40,000 a month from Tennessee, which is why he has not taken another job, which is why he does not get paid by Alabama. And look, good for him. I mean, that's the contract that you're signed. Congrats to you and your agent. But did you know? And again, I'm not sure if this is because it's structured this way, if this is because it's not a lump sum or it's or it's periodic payments over a period of time. But coaches are supposedly supposed to pay their taxes in full on that buyout amount. Okay, here's a quote that I got from a reputable source. When coaches are terminated, their contracts are considered realized in full. So they have a tax liability that year for the full amount of their remaining contract number. Essentially saying, Will Muschamp made $18 million in 2020. Now, if he doesn't get that money up front, I don't see how he could be taxed for it. If he does get the money up front, and then I'm assuming his non-compete goes up and he can go coach anywhere, then I could understand that. That's crazy to me. And, and if yeah. anybody has any more information on that, please tweet me at Punt and Pass, at Drew Butler, at Aaron Murray 11 I'm fascinated by that. Crazy, crazy profession coaching is. All right, I, a couple tweets that I want to talk about, and then we're going to wrap this thing up, Aaron. One, um, and we'll just stay on the coach thing for a second. You mentioned the good old boy system. Jim Harbaugh is going to be a head coach somewhere next year. Look at what he did in the NFL. Look at what he did at Stanford. Yes, Michigan has not been that good. Jim Harbaugh is going to be a head coach somewhere. And on Saturday night, I was just having some fun. Yeah, I had a couple cocktails. And I said, hear me out, Falcons fans. Jim Harbaugh. Brotherhood 2.0. And Aaron, I have never been more proud of a tweet it has over like 30,000 engagements on Twitter. People were killing me. Falcons fans <laughs> came out Lord of the woodworks. God, no. Was, Don't bring It was off. the funniest thing I've ever seen. It was hilarious engagement. I was thumbing through just going, this is great. And you know what? Based on the reaction alone from Falcons fans, I was joking at first. Now I put Harbaugh like in my final two for sure to be in the coaching running for the Atlanta Falcons. Fascinating how many people do not want somebody like Jim Harbaugh, who had tons of success yep. 
at San Francisco, who went to a Super Bowl, who went to multiple NFC Championship games. Hell, they beat the Falcons to go to a Super Bowl. Just watch that name. Just watch that name. I don't think it'll happen, but I'm sure he might get an interview from the Atlanta Falcons. Hilarious engagement on that tweet. And yes, I was having fun, Falcons fans. But now, a couple of days removed, I do think it's an actual possibility. The other tweet I sent out was this, and it had to do with Florida dismantling Arkansas. Florida's good. Florida's really good. Their offense is elite. What they were able to do this past weekend without Kyle Pitts, Kyle Trask is a baller, okay? And now we have to put up with all the comparisons to him and Joe Burrow and Tim Tebow and Danny Warfel, who were Heisman Trophy winners because his statistics clearly are going to have him in the Heisman Trophy race. So I put this tweet out, and obviously it was directed towards Georgia fans. Georgia fans, who would you rather see win the Heisman Trophy? Kyle Trask? or Justin Fields. So what could have been, which is Justin Fields, and a hated rival, which is Kyle Trask. What do you think the results were? Justin Fields or Kyle Trask? Who would they who would Georgia fans rather see win the Heisman Trophy? And don't look. I think Kyle I think Kyle Trask. No, 85% really? said Justin Fields, which I was shocked at. Yes, I think that's good. I think that shows the maturity of the Georgia fan base. See, I didn't. I didn't expect that kind of maturity. Neither I did expect I. More of like, <laughs> you know, if we couldn't have him, then we don't want him to to you know succeed as well. Which I, you know, I think I said it on the show a few weeks ago. Like, I'm so sick of people living in the past. Let's just let's just enjoy yes. greatness. I yes. mean, Justin Fields is a phenomenal football player. Let's just sit back and not whine and bitch and moan about. Oh, we wish he was wearing the red and black. And just say, listen, we had our ch- chance. It wasn't. It was. It just wasn't great timing, you know. And I continue to talk about people every single day. I feel like I talk about this Justin Fields topic. It just wasn't good timing. Yeah. Plain and simple. At the end of the day, timing was not great. He just came off a national championship uh, game. Jake Fromm had a great freshman year. You can't bench the dude. And Justin Fields is too good to say, listen, we're going to give you seven, eight series a game until Fromm leaves, and then you could take over and be the full-time starter. Like. He, no, he's too good to do that. Yeah. Um, first off, he should have just gone somewhere else to begin with. He knew he had to have known that he wasn't going to be the starter based on what Jake Fromm was able to do his freshman year. Yep. It was just, like I said, at the end of the day, it was just really bad timing um, with everything that was going on before he jumped out there on campus. So just enjoy it. So I, I am very shocked but very happy that people can just sit back and enjoy him and hope for the uh, hope for the best. Yeah, 82% said they'd rather see Justin Fields win the Heisman than Kyle Trask and I agree with them. I agree with them. I mean, it's great to see what Kyle, excuse me, what Kyle Trask has done, but Justin Fields, I mean, those guys are both going to be at the virtual ceremony. At this point there's no doubt about it. I think right it. now Trask deserves it more than Fields though. Yeah, I agree. All right, so quick- I mean, you have, you have more games, all SEC schedule, for sure. the SEC the numbers year, are not- insane. What's that? His statistics are insane. Oh, his stats are – I mean, the stats, all you know, all SEC schedule, more games. You look at the Big Ten right now. The Big Ten's not very good at all. No. I mean, you talk about the SEC being down this year. Big Ten is just, just poo-poo too. Yeah. I, I just – most conferences are this year. I mean, football, college football – Took a step back in 2020. Oh, I, I say I say it repeatedly. A major step back in 2020 of just the quality of teams, the quality of play in the field. Like I am for the SEC to see games this weekend, 63-35, 38 to 35, Kentucky versus Vanderbilt. Oh. These teams have no offenses, and they're scoring that many points. And then Ole Miss, South Carolina, 59 to 42. Like 
dude, that just I'm watching these games, and I'm just seeing guys missing tackles. I'm seeing guys just running scot free. I mean, when Lane Kiffin's throwing his damn, I could have thrown for 300 air, like, yards in the Ole Miss game. This is just crap football. Yeah. These teams have fallen so far. A lot of these teams, when it comes to just quality play on both sides of the football, um, you know, I, I know some fans love all these this scoring, all these touchdowns. I think it's exciting. I think it's. I don't think it's very good football, honestly. Uh, it's tough to watch. I, I, I 100% agree with you. I've said it repeatedly. The NFL product on the field is just miles better than college football this season. It's not always like that, but this season, it's very apparent. All right, quick week 11 recap. I'm just going to run through these. Jump in if you have any thoughts. Cincinnati, 55-17 to on Friday night. They ran a fake punt up about 40 points late in the fourth quarter. That was awesome. They are clearly playing for a college football playoff spot. Notre Dame, 45-31. to 31. Everybody was calling for that game to be a little bit closer. Notre Dame's defense, very opportunistic with some turnovers. They look pretty good. Ian Book is a good quarterback, and I think He's this is another a team one to watch. Too. If they continue to win, I could see him kind of jumping in late. Like, if they beat Clemson for oh, a yeah. second time, oh, yeah. and he plays well, I'm not saying he's not going to win the Heisman, but he can jump in there as one of the finalists, I think, based on what he's done this season. Obviously, he already has a great brand, Notre Dame. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, so if they continue to win, like I said, they beat Clemson, look for him to jump into that number three or four spot in the Heisman race. No question. Florida, number six, Florida, 63 to 35. Again, a lot of people were calling for that game to be a little bit closer. Watch out for that Florida-Alabama matchup. Um, Sarkeesian and that Alabama offense against the Grantham defense, you just don't know. There's going to be a shitload of points, though. That will be a, a very exciting SEC championship for sure, the winner. Gets into the college football playoff. Indiana, 24 nothing against Michigan State. I said at the beginning of the show, I'm done fading Indiana. Wisconsin, 49-11 to over Michigan. Michigan is dead. Nebraska, 30-23 to over Penn State. Penn State is dead. And then a game that I can't believe I watched all of it, but it was my lock of the week that failed. Kentucky, 38-35. to They were in complete control of that game over Vanderbilt. Um, they kind of lost their cool late. It was a very emotional game for obvious reasons for Kentucky. They did not cover the 17 points. We have a much better weekend of college football coming up, Aaron. A Hopefully. couple of top 25 and Hopefully. top 10 matchups. Indiana, number nine at number three, Ohio State. That's going to be a fun game to watch. Number 10, Wisconsin. Are you, against- done, are you done fading Indiana this week or no? <laughs> Good question. I'll see what the line is. I don't know. Uh, number 10, Wisconsin at number 19, Northwestern in the Big Ten. Bedlam, number 14, Oklahoma State at number 18, Oklahoma. Georgia's hosting Mississippi State. Auburn is hosting Tennessee. That could be a kind of sneaky good game. See if Tennessee can get off the schneid. And I'm going to let you go here, Aaron, but I have one more question for you. And this literally popped into my head on Saturday. Georgia was off on Saturday. Obviously, there were four games postponed or canceled in the SEC. Georgia coming off a really tough loss to Florida. Um, A lot of Bulldog fans kind of doing some soul searching right now. You wish you could have played this weekend to see who was going to be at quarterback. Carson Beck, JT Daniels, blah, blah, blah. You know what popped into my head this weekend, Aaron? I'm not even kidding you. Where's Quavo? You know, when yeah. Ge- when George is good, when George is good and they're on ESPN at 7 p.m. and they're in the top five shit, Quavo's up front rocking the G. He's on Instagram. He's on ESPN. He's in the locker room getting the boys hype. Well, now George has lost two games. They're out of the top ten. My man Quavo's nowhere to be found. Where's Quavo? Come on, Quavo. If you're a ride-or-die dog, man. Quavo soon. That's for sure. What are we doing? Come on, Quavo. I need his ass on the Punt and Pass podcast. Ask him a few questions. 
But is he riding with Bulldog Nation? Because right now, Georgia football ain't the most popular place to be, and coincidentally, Quavo's jumped shit. So if anybody knows where he is, where his whereabouts are, just let me know. I wonder if he'll be inside Sanford Stadium when lowly Mississippi State comes into town this week so he can get the boys fired up. I'll guess no. That's just my thoughts, though. Aaron, that's literally what was inside my brain on Saturday. That and Jim Harbaugh going to the Falcons. I know uh, you, you must have been drinking some good stuff. That's all I got to say. <laughs> I know you had a good time at Marshall. You doing double dip this week. You got two games. Am I right? Double dipping, man. I'm about to hit the road again. I'm gone all damn week. Um, I got a little Mac action on, on Wednesday, Mac- baby. Got to love Mac's back. I got Toledo at Eastern Michigan. Then I hop my butt on a flight Thursday morning. Then I head out to San Jose State at Fresno. So head to Fresno right. and then just grinding away seven days on the road this week. It's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting. There you go. You can keep in touch with him at Aaron Marie 11 on Twitter, and Instagram. I'm at Drew Butler. We are at Punt and Pass. Go check out puntandpass.com and we will talk to you later on this week. See you.